morning, everybody, and you are listening to Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. This is The Whole Nine. I am your host, Anthony Remedios, alongside Sammy Newt. This is episode two. Thank you so much for tuning in. Glad you were with us, and we are glad to be with you. We have a jam-packed show for you this evening. We'll be talking about the downfall and underwhelming performance of the San Diego Padres. We'll also talk... Um, we will also follow up on our conversation from last week about the New York Yankees. Yep. We'll, we will talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. And we have a couple other smaller segments along the way. And with that, let's get into it. Um, so currently, the San Diego Padres are actually playing the San Francisco Giants uh, as they try to hold on in the race for the wild card where they are now currently five, four games back in the wild card standings um sammy uh what do you think of that uh yeah i mean coming into the year uh it was a battle between the Dodgers and the padres and the nl west everyone knew it everyone thought that was going to be the case and now here we are uh 12 11 or 12 games left uh left and they're way out of the playoff race and have fan graphs gives them a one percent chance to make the playoffs at this point because they got five more games or four more games with the giants three more games with the dodgers who are all who are obviously in both in must-win situations. So coming into them, it doesn't look good for the Padres. No, it does not. And uh, like I said, they're currently lo- losing three to one against the Giants right now. Looks like they're they, threatening though a little bit. The what? Bases loaded, one out for the Padres. It so is. Doesn't look good. So hopefully Camille Duvall can shut that down. But hopefully. actually, I stand corrected from um, a minute ago. The Padres are now five and a half games out of the wild card with the that- Cincinnati Reds. And Philadelphia Phillies right above them at four that, and a half. Games. That means if they lose tonight, they're six games back, with with like ten to play. Yeah, which would be very tough on them. Which is their elimination much number. Their elimination number right now in the wild card is seven. Yeah. So they wait. Is that losing seven more games? Right. I believe so. I think that maybe. Yeah. And they yeah. have four more games. Or they have what? They have four against the they Giants. Have six, they have seven more games against the Dodgers and uh, Giants. So. But let's kind of break down to why they are not been this good. They're ten, they're ten and twenty-four in their last thirty-four games, which is obviously not good. And their main addition was pitching this offseason, and it hasn't been what they wanted it to be. Uh, Hugh Darvish coming into the year was their main acquisition, along with Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove. But Darvish was the headliner. You know, mm-hmm. came second in Cy Young voting last year, and was looking to have a big year for them. And he started off really good. Right, um, he coming up to June twenty first, which I'll tell you why that date is important in a bit. They were he was seven and two with a two point five ERA and a three point one seven FIP, which is just I mean it's really really good. That's an All Star level, and that's why he made the All Star team. But then uh, June twenty first hits, and June twenty first is I don't know if any listeners remember the the fiasco that was the sticky stuff. Um, lots and lots of coverage on it for a long long time. Um, and I guess it's kind of disappeared now. It hasn't made as big of an impact as I thought I was going to, but it's made an impact on Yu Darvish, that's for sure. Since the sticky stuff ban, he's 1-8 and eight with a 5.92 ERA and a 4.62 FIP, basically doubling his ERA and just been terrible. That, that, that is an atrocious an atrocious ERA, and yeah. we saw that last, uh, mm. last week when the Giants played him. Yeah, uh, they just teed off. The Giants really lit him up. Yeah, and I mean that's what every, every team has been doing, and what, not what the uh, the the Padres have wanted, obviously. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Darvish, along with Blake Snell, was... Well, and we'll get into Blake Snell in just a minute, but Darvish um, was one of their big, one of the team's big acquisitions in the offseason that everybody was like, oh, God. And the Darvish one happened after Snell, I think. Right? I, it was Darvish first. I don't really remember the, the order, but okay. they were both still pretty important. Well, they, they were both very—it was both within a 24-hour time span, and it was both within a 24-hour time span, and that's when I— Everybody, that's when people started realizing, holy cow, the Padres are going to be good. I mean, I just realized this so that both the, I mean, the big pitching acquisitions of this offseason were obviously Trevor Bauer and New Darvish, and they both have not worked out exactly how their teams have mm-hmm. wanted them to. Yeah. Um, not at all, really, especially with Trevor Bauer. Meanwhile, the Giants got another deal, another one year deal in Kevin Gosman. Yeah. At the beginning of the offseason. One year season. deal in Discofani, one year deal in, John, in uh, Alex Wood. Alex Wood. And they're going to win 105 games. So mm-hmm. that's just crazy stuff right there. But moving on, Blake Snell. It's okay. He's been off and on the IL. Um, he's been extremely inconsistent, I would say, up and down, like he usually is, I would say. He's kind of a roller coaster pitcher and has not been ex- extremely great. Or the Cy Young, he hasn't been as good as the Cy Young year. But overall, he has a four ERA. But since the beginning of August, he's been very good. Unfortunately, his win stats are not great. I think it's like 500. But um, that's just because the Padres have not given him run support. Especially, remember that pod, the, I mean, that's that 18 inning game or like 16 inning game. With oh, the, yeah. That started with like seven no hit innings of Blake Snell. Yeah. Style. I remember uh, that. And they, they left well, it and, in for a second too long. And Blake Snell, that's not the, that's not the only time Blake Snell has had a no hitter yeah. through seven or eight innings. Yeah, when, we, when we were at the ASU night for the D backs, he had a no hitter. Through mm-hmm. seven as well, I don't. I forget the exact statistic, but he has not thrown. He has never made it th- completely through eight innings ever yeah, no. in his career, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think I I remember something fascinating about the the playoffs last year, and everyone was really mad about taking Blake Snell out in the World Series. Mm-hmm. And I said, my friend, me and my friend, shout out to Ben Joseph if he's listening. But w- me and my friend were both we're both really tight when it comes to baseball. He's not one of those Giants fans, and that really knows what he's talking about. So we would talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. And it was middle of quarantine, so we were really bored. Mm-hmm. So even more baseball talk. And what we would talk about is. One, how rocky the Rays rotation was, mm-hmm. not, or compared to the Dodgers, right? They weren't quite as good, and we were all nervous as to could Blake Snell go a, a good distance in the playoffs. And they had and to it, Flasnell, too, was yeah, another big part of that and rotation. It, and, it came, and it came down to that extension, right? Mm-hmm. He, the, what was really interesting, the, the Rays had not pitched him in the past like two years past like a full six innings, mm-hmm. not once. So... If it's not, if it ain't broken, I guess I would say don't fix it. So I wasn't even mad. I guess I was mad at the moment, but after a little bit of my my own research, I wasn't even mad they took um, Blake Snell out of the game. It ended up being probably the right choice, but again, they brought in the wrong pitcher personally, and then they did. But yeah, and then we know what happens from there, and everyone hates Kevin Cash now. And personally, he, I think Cash should have let Snell at least make, try and make it through the inning, at least try and get out of. You think so? Out of that jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe, but that. I mean, I think the Rays are just a stats team. They're statistics. They're analytics. born statistics. And they're born in analytics. That's all they do. And, I mean, think about the signs in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Third, The third time coming through the order, and statistically, that's, like, the worst. Like, if 
if a team's going to get to your dominant starting pitcher, it's going to be the ter- third time through the order because that's just how yeah. it works. MLB players are way too good not to make adjustments. So, And then the first battery sees in that third time through the order, a Mookie Betts rocketed <laughs> single. That ball was like destroyed, obliterated. Mm-hmm. So it was rocketed to the infield. And what do you? What if you're Kevin Cash? Like, Next guy, okay, a double. Now it's second and third. Maybe the run score is second and third. No outs. And now you're in a situation in a go-home game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it was the right decision, but that's here nor there in the past. Mm-hmm. Can't change it. Unfortunately, Dodgers won a World Series, but, you know, that's fine. Um, the rest of the rotation, though, I mean, who knows what it was. I yeah. want to talk about Mike Clevenger for a second, or at least briefly mention. He was actually, I, I just was rem- reminded of this. He was traded to the Padres yep. at the, right before the trade deadline last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they signed him to the two-year extension. Uh, over the off season, and then, and then he not got long Tommy after John, that, right? yeah. he needed Tommy John surgery, so he's been out for the year. That's been another big flaw in their rotation. Denelson Lamette, that's something we got to write in these notes. Oh yeah, Denelson whatever Lamette, happened. He was like third in Cy Young, like he was like top five he was in Cy Young voting last and then year. And what happened to him? And this then year? he he actually got injured in that last Niner Giants game of. Uh, 2020, I remember that. Okay. And that's when we were trying to make the playoffs, which was crazy. Huh. I, don't, I can't believe we were close to the playoffs. I remember that part, but okay. Um, he, got, he gets injured there, and ever since then, he's been not quite as good or just not consistent or kind of on the IL a little bit. Um, he's had an okay year. I, he's only started nine games this year. Yeah, exactly. So they've been using him. They've been using Lamette. The Padres have been using Lamette more in the bullpen this year. He's, really? He started in he started in nine games, but he's pitched in eighteen. He has a two and four record but with still. a four ten ERA and no saves. So it looks like they're using him in the pen. I mean, maybe that's just an extension. I don't know. I don't think it's yeah, he was fourth in Cy Young voting last year. But I mean, it looks like he's been hurt. Obviously, so yeah, that, there's that. I guess for the uh, Padres, it's been a lot of injury di- unluckiness. Mm-hmm. I get, but I mean, the Giants and Dodgers experience it too. So what? What are you? What is your excuse? The Padres just don't have. I yeah. don't think the Padres have the depth that people thought they had, and the but to the same token, the Giants had more depth than everybody they, thought. Do they too. even? I mean, the the Giants and Dodgers don't even have depth. The, all they have is a good bullpen. Like it's hard, very very hard. I'm not to even find talking just in depth. terms of pitching. Like I'm just talking like from an injury standpoint okay. yeah, in general. Because mm-hmm. all three of those teams. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Across the board yeah, in the league, the injuries have been at probably I I don't know statistically to back this up, but it seems like they they're at an all time high. And I think especially in the pitching market, and with pitchers, part of the reason that is is remember it's been two years. Since any of these pitchers have thrown 150 plus innings in a year, yeah, because last year was a 60 game season, so it's all about working. They're they're working their way back up to that, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is why we're seeing more bullpen reliance also as a whole you, this year. Do you think that in general? Do you think that they're still feeling the effects of la- the effects of last year and that they ramped up so fast? I mean, the the entire the long off season and COVID, they were mm-hmm. kind of in limbo, right? Are they are they going to pitch? Are they not going to pitch for how long? And then they all of a sudden had to ramp up really fast because it was like, yes, we are going to play. Do you think they're still feeling the effects on that a little bit? I think so, and I think that's something, not even just in baseball. We're, I, I think it's being seen in every sport mm-hmm. because keep in mind, every sport 
had either a break and then resumed their season, followed by a short off season to a shortened season. You know, look at the N the NBA mm -hmm. it, it, as an example of that. Hockey was the same way. Football uniquely was able to get their whole season in like normal, yeah. but they didn't have preseason last year, and they didn't have training camp. a long as long yeah. or as in depth of a training camp. This year they're all, they're able to do that, so. The gap's not as big, but even we're still seeing, even look at the last two weeks in the NFL. You and I both watched the NFL, and we're seeing some injuries in there, too. Not as many as last year, but I mean, I don't still... know. I mean, it's, I mean, I guess last year was, I guess, a bit of an anomaly in that. I guess we're going to the NFL a little bit right now, but the Niners got decimated, and then a lot of other teams got decimated, too. So it was, I don't know if that was to blame on, I don't know if ACLs snap worse when they're not prepared to play. Because that seemed to be the big injury last year was the ACL tear. Yep. I'm not sure if that's a ramp-up issue or that's just a very, very unlucky incident. I, I'll have to do my research on it that. It is also, I feel like football is the sport where you do see ACL injuries a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. more. But getting back to the baseball talk, um, Chris Paddock has just been... He's been gone, probably hurt too. No, he hasn't been hurt, but his performance has not has been so hit or miss. To say the least. Yeah, he's got a five ERA. He's he's got a negative WAR. That's not what you want to see. That, that for no. those WAR is wins above replacement, meaning that if you if you replace this player with an average level um, MLB like person, how many wins would you lose or gain? Mm -hmm. So in this instance, uh, 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 Chris Paddock he has a negative point eight WAR. That means the San Diego Padres would gain 0.8 wins with Chris with another player, with a with an a totally average MLE player. Um, so high WAR is definitely a good uh, indicator to how big you are to your team. It's a very big stat used in MVP. Um, and I guess we'll go look at the rest of the Padres to see what their WAR is. But um, yeah, Paddock's not been good. The one the one bright spot in this rotation has been uh, Joe Musgrove. Mm -hmm. Very consistent. Um, he's got he's got, his stats are eleven and nine with a three point one five ERA and one hundred twenty two ERA plus. That that ERA plus. It's a so good. for those of you who are not familiar with ERA plus and OPS plus, what those metrics mean is hundred is the average. And will be average for ERA and OPS respectively, and um, the the plus metric. Tells is a measure of how how much above or below the average they are. And so it, you want to be yeah. above a hundred um, as much as possible. And also the the stats correct for like like ballparks kind of thing. That's what they mainly do. Is that if you're a if you're a giant, if you pitch for the Giants, you pitch for the Rockies. That's two way different things. Because right. Oracle Park is not a hitter's park, and Rockies and Coors Field is the hitter's park. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not really fair to a, a Rockies pitcher who he could have better stats in a Giants uniform. Right. You know. So I kind of adjust for the um this the park statistics, and a hundred twenty two one twenty two ERA plus is very very good. It means he's twenty two points above average. And that's mm -hmm. very good. Yeah. He's also got a 3.72 FIP, and he pitched pretty well last night against the Giants. He did. Um, yeah. And speaking of last night's pitching performance, um, last night as we last night was a game of offense, and kept, kept uh, both teams. Kevin um, Gosman looked bad last night. Ke Kevin Gosman. 
That splitter looked hanging. In the first half of the season, I thought Gosman was going to be Cy Young potential, but he he he's fell kind of, off and has struggled. Uh, in the I would second say half he of fell league. off. It's just he's not fell, fell back off. To he's, earth. Just, he's not as dominant as he he's was. He's not in the, first the best pitcher on the planet. I think part of why that is is that he was specializing in two two of his four pitches, and I think mm-hmm. teams, especially now that we're seeing division opponents that we've seen or that the team has seen for nineteen games, for nineteen I've, games, teams are finally starting to figure him out. Yeah, I mean, but I guess I don't think I don't necessarily think that it's also even. He's been pitching more splitters. If you watched last night, yeah, he hung that splitter three times. And that, and that was, was only like he, he he had only given up yeah, like two home too. runs on splitters before that. The, Fleming or Miller, one of them was talking about. Yeah, he, he he's been very good with. Yeah, the I splitters. got the stat right here. Since um since joining the Giants in 2020, he's thrown a thousand twenty four splitters. Wow. And he's given up two home runs on, on those pitches until last night, where he gave up three. So That's the splitter was obviously not working last night. Uh, a combination of just familiarity and hanging of a pitch that is not supposed to be hung. Um, so, yeah. But back to this offense. I mean, the star of the show, and maybe the star of the MLB if Shohei Otani didn't exist, was um, is Fran Tastis Jr. Yeah. And he's been incredible. Incredible. He's been by far what I would say the best player in the NL. Definitely but, MVP contender. I think he's going to win it. I he, hope he wins it. But the only problem is that he's missed 34 games mm-hmm. on the IL. And I actually found this stat that's really, really interesting that I thought was pretty fascinating. And maybe you shouldn't win MVP for this. But the Padres are 56-62 and 62 when playing with Tatis. Huh. They're below 500. Wow. That means they're like way above 500 when without Tatis. Which is wow. really that interesting. That is... But that doesn't well, say that anything means... about... They only have 76 wins that, this year. So that means without Tatis, yeah. they're 20 and 14. I'll check. Something what are they, like what's their record right now? Let me see. 76 and something. They're 76 and 74. So they're 20 and... Yeah, 14. No, yeah. 20 and 12. Something like that. Math is hard. Yeah. Yeah, 20 and 12. 20 and 12 without Tatis. But speaking of Tatis... There's been some drama with him earlier this week. He struck out on a pitch. He struck out on a pitch, and I forget what inning it was, but they were playing the Cardinals. And getting swept, looking to get swept by the Cardinals, which is They're going to get swept by the Cardinals. And I was watching the John Boy video breakdown on this instant uh, earlier this afternoon, and he showed a graphic of how the Padres had a very comfortable lead in the wild card for a majority of the second half and then in the last three weeks the reds the pot the cardinals come up and take over that lead and the, mm-hmm. the padres have since lost that league so by a lot they've lost have, they're now five and a half games out and it's significant because padres are now pl- we're now playing the cardinals anyways tatis struck out and tatis didn't like the pitch but in the umpire's defense, that three, the pitch that be, made it 3-2, such a beautiful curveball. He should have swung at that. But yeah. anyways, Tatis strikes out. Jace Tingler comes out to argue, gets tossed. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, in the dugout, Tatis not happy, slamming equipment, etc. Machado comes up to bat. In between innings, as they're getting ready to go out on the field, Machado and Tatis start yelling at each other, and Machado um, 
one Machado was yelling at him and just telling him, just go out there and play baseball. Mm-hmm. You're the best player on this planet. Just go out there and play baseball. It's mm-hmm. not about you. And what the I think what the problem was that really what Machado was mad about is that he knows he's the best player on this team. He's the best player in the NL potentially, maybe even on the like you said on the planet. And if he gets ejected, the Padres in a bad spot. Yeah, they're in a worse spot. I mean, I guess the record says differently, but they're definitely in a worse spot without him. They are with him. So mm-hmm. Machado, who's now a, an old veteran, I guess. I don't. I don't know how that happened. I guess I'm getting old. <laughs> um, but um, he's an old veteran in the MLB. He goes up to his younger his younger brother, uh, in a sense, right? And he says, we need you, so you cannot get ejected right now. In no manner can you even threaten to get out of this game because you are a vital piece of this team, mm-hmm. right? So that's what Machado tells him. And they looks like they fixed it. They came out the other day and apologized. But, um, yeah, it definitely was not a good look for the Padres in a series no. where they get swept. And fall like five games back of the... And it's something that... The wild card. You wouldn't expect something like that to explode and shouldn't explode in the dugout. Where you have people with the, with their phones filming it. Yeah, but I mean, things happen, right? Yeah, I mean, things happen. I'm not saying are high. I'm not saying it was a bad... Not saying anybody necessarily did, I mean, anything wrong, but... You know, but um, it's one of those things you hope doesn't happen on the field that you would hope happens behind the scenes in the clubhouse yeah. or something out of the public. I mean, just so they don't have to apologize for it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, now they had to make a huge deal over the last weekend. They had to distract from their game and had to go into the the press and apologize for something that was just pretty much a team issue, right? I mean, I remember I have moments in my career of just people yelling at each other in the yeah. clubhouse, right? Yeah. Tensions get high. You know, you're not playing as well as you should, especially with this team and this what they supposed to was the best roster compared to the Dodgers. I mean, you get mad when you're not winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm all right with it. It just sucks that it was, it was in cameras and they did have to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, Tatis has been very good. He should win MVP. Bryce Harper should not. I guess he should. Who knows? But, we'll discuss that on a later episode. Yeah. Their, their, best, their biggest addition at the deadline, right, and we've talked about about this before, how the 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 Padres kind of missed out heavily. And we'll talk about Max Scherzer a bit later, but how how they missed out on Scherzer. Ken Ro- Ken Rosenthal, God, I can never say his name right. Ken Rosenthal comes out and tweets and says the Padres are getting Max Scherzer or close to a deal to acquire Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. And they, were, um, I was I was sad, like I said, but they don't. Daughters get him. And they add Adam Frazier instead. Adam Frazier, he was really good in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, he was batting 324th. Pittsburgh led the league in hits at the time, <laughs> starting All-Star second baseman. Overall, like a great, a great addition for the, an already stacked, stacked infield mm-hmm. with uh, Machado, Tatis, and Cronenworth. But since coming, he has not been what it is. His batting average dropped like 30 points. He's batting 265 with the Padres, and his struggle significantly. And he's not been the hit machine that the Padres wanted at the top of the order. I mean, yeah. get a guy on base for Tatis, and it's going to be a true and a home run most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you wanted. And he hasn't been that on-base machine. Um, unfortunately for them, he's gotten to a slump um, when they needed him most. And Jake Cronenworth, move on to him. He was kind of, he's been a, a quiet, 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 really, really good player this year. What do you think about him? Hmm. I mean, he's been good. He's been uh, picking up some of the offense, especially when, especially when Tatis mm-hmm. isn't there. He, he's showing who he who he is as a player, and um, 
and just showing what he can do. Yeah, for sure. And then, as the aforementioned Manny Machado, what do you th- I, I want to hear your thoughts on Manny Machado in general. He's a very divisive player. What do you think? Hmm. He's good. He's definitely good. He's good. Um, personally, I think he's a little bit overrated. Am I the only one that thinks that? No, you are okay. definitely not the only and, one that thinks. Especially, I mean, I think he's good. I think he's probably rated, but the entire MLB fan base does yeah. not like Manny Machado. Yeah. That, that would be my take. I'd say he's good. Don't get me wrong on that. But he's overrated. I think he's a per- perfect partner for uh, Mr. Tatis, personally. Yeah. I think they're both Hispanic heritage or mm-hmm. something like that. And he looks good. Hey, he's good. He looks good in those. What do you think about the Padres uniforms? The black, the brown and yellow. I like them. You do? I, I like them too. Um, I think they're really, really nice. They... they, they... They lo- almost look like they could be city connect jerseys. They could. That's yes. how good. They I don't know. Good. Is one of my favorite. One of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite uh, jerseys that they have is the camo ones. The camo ones. I are cool. really like those desert camos. Mm-hmm. I just I, I like camo in general. Have you thought the city connect jerseys have been good? I think they've been. Eh. Some of them. Some Giants of them is not good. good. Dodgers is not good. Boston is not good. My good. favorites have been the Chicago ones. Really? Which one? The Wrigleyville uh, or the White Sox? I like the White Sox one more. Um, I like the White Sox. My favorite are the Diamondbacks, the hometown Diamondbacks here. I the think Diamondbacks really ones cool. are good. I like the South Side and the Wrigleyville ones better. Diamondbacks are my third favorite. The I think it goes, for me, it goes, I think, White Sox, Diamondbacks, Wrigleyville, Uh Giants, because I the Giants win in those uniforms for some reason. They win a lot, so yeah. And then Dodgers are last because what did, what did they changed? Nothing. They they were too basic. They did nothing. They were too basic. Gotta I mean, Doyers the is the can. only thing that was different about them. Mm-hmm. I do like the blue pants on those. Yeah. But the actual jerseys themselves. Mm-hmm. So here's my rankings of them, and I'll go all seven. I got Chicago, or I got Southside, which is the White Sox. Wrigleyville, which is the Cubs. Diamondbacks. I'd probably say the Marlins next. Oh, I forgot about the Marlins. Um, I'd go with the Marlins, Boston, the Giants, and then the Dodgers. Man, I was at the game. They unveiled the Giants uniforms. And I remember being so disappointed. It was I, like, what is what is that? It's just white. It's fog. Fog. I like the concept behind the Giants. You like jersey. fog? I, I understand and like the concept behind what they were trying to do. It's the execution of said concept. The fact that it's white, there's no black in it, and our team color and the team colors are orange and black. People most like black and orange too. I mean, all three of the last ones that I said are bad. The Boston, although actually, you, uh, I was talking to my buddy Christos uh, a couple days ago, and we were talking about the City Connect uniforms, and I actually under, I understood what the what the meaning behind the Red Sox City Connect uniforms are. That those the blue and the yellow, those are the Boston Marathon colors. Oh, okay. So that actually it's makes a good sense. Meaning, but I remember watching and being I, like, what the heck are they wearing? Yeah. You think they're UC, they're too much like UCLA colors. Yeah. That's not to say that I don't like UCLA, because my dad went there, so but it just for a team that's called the Red Sox, mm, and there's not any red. There's no red in there whatsoever. 
They should have taken what they did with the Marlins ones with the red. That should have been the Red Sox. Because then you get the, you get like the Columbia blue in there for the uh, Boston Marathon. I mean, that was mm-hmm. a big part of the jersey was the blue. So you get a combination of the two. Yeah. So, yeah. But I would say back to the, the, the Padres, a little bit of a tangent there. But I would say the biggest problem with the Padres is that their roster is easily comparable to the Dodgers coming into the season. and But they're performing not to their expectations. And then they're 21 and a half games back of the top of the division. And I looked at the division standings. And besides the NL West, the gap between first and maybe the AL East, the gap between first and last in every other division is the same between the gap between the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. Which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absurd. Just shows you how good those two teams have been all year. Mm-hmm. Moving on to a um, slightly a bit, uh, I would say, not a disappointing team. Um, they won again today to make a three-game sweep of the Rangers. But the New York Yankees. Okay? Mm-hmm. Last week we talked about how the Yankees, um, they pretty much come into a must-win situation with all of their games. Um, they were playing eight games against teams who aren't very good. They finished out the Orioles series. By sweeping that, but then they came out and lost two or three to the Indians, and that's mm-hmm. not good. No, Garrett Cole got shelled, gave about like five or six runs, and the Yankees ended up giving twenty-two, giving up twenty-two runs in two games to the Indians. Yikes! What do you, Yikes. What do you think about the Yankees? The Yankees have been a roller coaster all season, and I have I have a my I saw my one of my friends had posted um, a graphic. That had been shown on TV of pretty much their whole season. This was up. This was until last week, uh, so it doesn't have um, the, the most recent games. But they started off five and ten in their first fifteen, then went on a twenty-three and nine run over the next twenty over the next thirty-two. Then they went five and thirteen, then seven and two, five and seven, no one and seven. The thir- 35 and 11, that was where the 13 game winning streak was a part of. 2 and 11, Following 4 and the 1. 13 game winning streak. So they've just been, they've been on a roller coaster all season. And somehow they are holding on to the wild card by half a game. Um, again, we were talking about injuries earlier. This is another team that has faced some injuries. Not as many as they have in years past. Um, but even their additions at the trade deadline, as we mentioned last week. How has Rizzo been playing in uh, I don't know. I don't have the exact I can find it. statistics off my head. But um, even their big additions haven't pushed them over the edge like people have thought they would. Yeah, I can find Rizzo's stats right here. But I thought what was really interesting in the deadline is they added two players who were just strikeout machines on the other side of the plate. Which, Gallo, Gallo is is boomer bust. He either goes yard or he strikes out. Yeah. So he, with the Yankees, Joey uh, <laughs> Anthony, I mean Anthony Rizzo, he has hit six home runs, is batting two fifty five, slashing with a 777 OPS. Okay. With a one uh one fourteen OPS plus. So like we said earlier, everything over a hundred for those plus stats is above average. So with those, Rizzo has been playing good. Um, which is good for him, obviously. Um, and then Gallo has just been, he's been hot recently, I did read, I believe. Gallo has been, ooh, his batting average is not good. 
but he's batting 165 with a 105 OPS plus. So that tells you what that, how batting average is not the biggest stat. But he is not batting well, but he's got an above average OPS plus. He's got he also has 13 home runs with the Yankees, mm-hmm. which is a lot. <laughs> the Yankees have had pitching issues too, though. We've been talking a lot about pitching today. Yankees are another team that's faced that's that's had pitch, pitching and bullpen issues. Yeah, and struggles. for sure. Um, let me see. Yeah, I mean, the pitching for the Yankees has just been, I mean, for Yankees fans, and John Boy is that Yankee fan, so I've been looking at a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just there's always something to complain about with the Yankees. Yeah. When they're pitch, when they're playing well, it's um, why didn't they add this? When they're not playing well, it's why does the pitching suck? You know, right? There's always yeah. something to complain about the Yankees, and that's not necessarily. I can relate to that. I can relate to that to my friend, or I can I can agree with that. I have friends who are Yankee fans. Yeah, especially in New York with the New York media, and like we said with the Mets, the Mets earlier um, last week. I mean, was that last week or was that on the pilot? I don't really remember. The, the thumbs down thing. Yeah, that was last week. That was no, it's week and no. a half ago. Well, no, but because we talked about it last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. So the Mets thing, how they um, complained. They did something stupid and obviously got roasted for it in the uh, New York media. The Yankees do the same thing, obviously. If they're not good, nobody likes them. If they're good, they're the best team ever created and ever assembled and will never lose a game again. Yeah. You know. Chapman's been inconsistent. We, we've seen that, too. Mm-hmm. They've had big leads, and Chapman chokes it. Or not big leads, but any leads. You expect yeah, lead. that guy not leads to in blow. general blow anything. He's the best reliever, maybe the best reliever of all time. Oh, it was 102. With a breakout slider and a splitter. Yeah. How do you even touch that thing? How do you go up to the plate and be like, "This is I'm going to hit this guy. He has 103 to 105. He's got a nasty slider and a splitter that's probably third best in the game. Mm-hmm. What? I, what? How do, how do people hit? I don't how know. is that even possible? Hitting is hard. It is. Hitting is very, very hard. It looks easy. They make it look easy. Does it? Does it look easy to you? Does hitting, watching no. baseball, does hitting look easy to you? No, it's not. Not to me at all. I don't know if you follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter. If you don't, any of you guys, you definitely should. Wow. Some pitches in the MLB are just disgusting. And I don't know how they touch them. Final score update before we move on to our other segments. Colorado officially defeats the LA Dodgers 10-5. to Um... For the loss, Dodgers. Who's that? Brule. I don't know who that is. Um, mm. Brule gets the loss for the Dodgers. Though Stevenson gets the win for the Rockies, and the Giants are officially up five to one. Looks like Camilo Duvall got out of that situation, only giving up one run. It was like second and third, no outs. So giving up one run there is pretty good. Crawford had an RBI single, and so did uh, yeah. Jazz had an RBI as mm-hmm. well. And Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves. Um, have just beat. They are currently up in the bottom of the ninth, nine to two, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, where they have eight home runs and twenty six runs in the first three games of the series. Oh, I thought you were going to say the first. I thought you said the game. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised because it's the Diamondbacks, but like, I thought you were going to say twenty six runs, runs and eight home in runs in three games. Yeah, so give you an update on the NL East a little bit. The Braves are still in command of that division. They're up. Um, Two and a half games on the Philadelphia Phillies, and it looks like the sad, sad New York Mets, who I love. I love the Mets, but um, they're seven and a half games out. <laughs> they're seven and a half games out. It looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. They're six games under 500. 
What a they kind of fell apart. The there, Mets, huh? the Mets are always a team that looks good on paper at the beginning of the year. Every time. And then somehow, and then something goes wrong. Um, the interesting thing that we will be talking about throughout the offseason is the changes that happen in the front office of that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Cohen, uh, Steve Cohen, uh, last week, um, has started saying, "I can't." His Twitter uh, has, man is crazy. Has, He's planning, he wants to sweep the front office. Yeah, and no one I've seen connected to that, to that job. Yeah. And their head coaching job. He wants is, it. He wants to do it himself. Ken Rosenthal wrote an article the other night about, um, I said his name right, Ken Rosenthal, um, about Billy Bean and Bob Melvin going to the New York Mets. I heard about, I saw, I heard, yeah. I heard, I heard something about that, yeah. And imagine Billy Bean with money. Mm-hmm. What could he do? He, Moneyball would not be a constant. Would not I be mean, his thing. No, I'll tell you that. Would but. it? Would it? I think. I think if I'm, I'm. T- I take the Farhan's ID approach. If I'm Billy Bean, <laughs> I go and I, I build a roster with as little money as possible, right? That competes, which he does every year, anyways, with huh. the A's. I build a roster that competes in any way, and then I spend money on stars. Huh. Right. But how confident are you in Bill in Melvin as a manager, though? V- are you kidding me, Bob Melvin? He's been great with the A's. True. That is true. He's won like three Manager of the Year awards. Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting he's, about that. He's dominated every, every. I mean, not dominated. The A's have never dominated, but he's won a lot of games. I'm very confident in Bob Melvin as a manager, personally. An important score update, though, while we're talking kind of a little bit about playoff picture, though. The Seattle Mariners just beat the A's 4-1, to which is really big in the wild card race because as of about two minutes ago, before that game ended, they were both those teams were only three games back uh, in the wild card behind yeah. the Toronto Blue Jays. Do we? Oh, the Yankees snuck in today. Wow. They're half. They're half a game up. Wow. They're half oh, wow. a game up right Looks now. Looks like Boston might actually uh, take this one. Knock on wood. Go Boston. I love the Bru- and the Bruins. I love the Red, Red Sox. Sox. We were talking about the UCLA Bruins earlier. <laughs> Messed me up. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Boston takes that thing. I want to see them win. Um, but anyways, back to our original planning, <laughs> production planning, I guess, I would say. Moving on to what team has been probably the hottest team in baseball. Easily. Current. Not, yeah, I guess easily. Well, somewhat easily. No, they've, they've won 11 straight games and came into the year having a 29% chance to make the playoffs and eventually fell to a 1.4% chance to make the playoffs. And that team is the... St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. They've been really good. Mm-hmm. Since dipping below, I, I, yeah. the Cardinals are a team that has slipped under the radar for me. That's because you're focused on the Giants. Because exactly, because I've been focusing so much on the NL West that here come the Cardinals out of nowhere, uh, just slowly sneaking back into the picture. Except for when they beat the Giants, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, speaking of beating the Giants, I think they, I think they are one of what. Three teams. We lost the season series. That the Giants two. have lost the season series too. That they have under five. Can you, can you name the others? Test. The Pirates and I think it's the Mariners. It is Mariners, but the Pirates. Why? Why did we lose the season series? Baseball's weird. How did they lose the Pirates? Baseball was baseball well, was That was. That was uh... The biggest contributors for this second half surge of the St. Louis Cardinals is one Adam Wainwright. Who's been Who, fantastic, and he is, and he he is a free agent at the end of the year, which like makes 45. things interesting. It's like really old. He, 
He seems like it, right? The Giants, he is, Giants, and there's no way St. Louis lets him go. He is 40. He's going to retire. He just turned 40 yeah. a few weeks ago. He's and he's still Cardinal. producing. He's going to retire at Cardinal. He's not going to sign anywhere else. He's he been there for like 20 years. Yeah. He's been at Cardinal for 20 years. It's they, like, they're they're like going to keep him. Just like Yachty. If he wants to, they're going to keep him. And bet, Yachty's staying for one more year. I bet he retires the Yachty era. I, to be honest with you. They got, Honestly, came I wouldn't in be together, surprised they go out they, I wouldn't be surprised if they both do a combined farewell tour. I, I could see it happening. For sure. Um, ooh, Buster Posey doubles. Good job, Buster. So Buster Posey is an RBI double, and it is his second four-hit game of the year. Pro- that's it? Really? Mm-hmm. All right, back to Adam, the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright. Um, much like Logan Webb for the Giants, Adam Wainwright has been dominant in the second half. Um, since the beginning of August, he is 9-1 with a 1.78 ERA and has gone at least six innings in every single one of his starts. I am a big – one of my big stats that I take into account when looking at pitchers, and part of this is because I am big in fantasy baseball, but quality starts are a key stat that I look at, and he – I drafted him this year, and he had a ton, he had a quality start a quality almost start. every time. Like I said, he goes out there for at least six innings every game and pitches well. And less than, uh, and less than, so a quality start for for the listeners who are unaware is a uh, is a pitching uh, is a pitching start that's at least six innings and less than three and three earned runs, or less. And Wainwright has 21 quality starts this season. That's very And he good. has started, I don't know how many games. A lot. But, yeah, Adam Wainwright has been pretty fantastic this entire year. And he started 30 games. Yeah, 20, so 21 for 30. 21, 21 quality starts of those. He's so. bad in 600 then, I guess, if you look mm-hmm. at it like that. Yeah. Um, More than two-thirds. Yeah. So he's looking looking very good as a starter. Definitely their wild card game starter. And speaking Definitely. of the playoffs with them, the relationship between the Cardinals and the Giants and Dodgers in the playoffs, they they were the three teams of the twenty ten. They were always going. They were always the going NL, at it. For the NL, the three teams that defined the twenty tens were the Giants, the Cardinals. The Cardinals and had the had a title in twenty eleven, right? Yeah, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven World Series. But they lost two pennants to the Giants, one of which... And they lost the World Series three... in 2013. Oh, that's the, right. The yeah. That's right. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the Cardinals lost two pennants to the San Francisco Giants, one of which was on a 3-1 three three comeback. Sorry, Cards fans, uh, for mentioning this. And then the other was the Travis Ishikawa walk-off. Yes. So... Which I was there for. Don't make me jealous. So the relationship between the Cardinals and the Giants, is, well, as uh, Anthony just documented, the Giants have pretty much dominated the Cardinals in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? And at least in the last ten years, um, th- probably the three most storied franchises in the in, in the NL. I mean, the Cardinals have won I think thirteen World Series. The Dodgers have won seven, and the Giants have won eight. Giants I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Sound, sure that's sounds about pretty right. Pretty sure that's right. I'm not gonna look that Give up. Give or take, I, that sounds about right. I'm just gonna say the daughters are behind us. Yes. Um, uh, th- that's pretty much the relationship between the three, the three most storied franchises in the 2010s. The Giants obviously had their three runs. The and then the Cardinals, when the Giants were in the playoffs, the date like the years they were ruining in all their playoff runs were the Dodgers mm-hmm. till like 2016, when the Dodgers couldn't make the playoffs. It was the it was, it was the Cardinals. The, 
kind of dominating them. Yeah. So it's a really, really weird relationship in general is that the Giants have dominated the Cardinals in the playoffs and the Dodgers have been dominated by the Cardinals in the playoffs. And then the Cardinals in their lineup have two historic giant killers, mm. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. And you can ask any Giants fan who really watches baseball, they step into the box with a runner on second base. You guys know that run scoring somehow. Mm-hmm. And I was at, I, like, that same game they, they did the City Connect Unis. I was with, at the game with my girlfriend, and she, it was like, no one ever steps into the box. I'm like, they're going to score a run. We can go get food now. It was like, it was just constant, constant, bloop single, home run, no one Arenado. Bloop single by Goldschmidt, home run by no one Arenado. And it was like, it was, you knew it was going to happen every single time. So it's just kind of sad to watch, and it's terrifying for the Giants to play them in the wild card. I'm not going to lie. Speaking of those two guys, though, with the Cardinals, the Cardinals took both those guys out of the division, which yeah. is key. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some Giants fans and other NL West fans don't like the Cardinals for one reason or another. But we do have to give the Cardinals credit for helping make the division race easier by taking Paul Goldsmith away from the Arizona Diamondbacks and Nolan Arenado away from the Rockies. Now, even though that trade... In the worst trade of all time. I don't time. understand what that trade was all about. Still, worst of all time, I think. I still Top five, at least. I still don't understand that, but... That's a discussion for another day. But, uh, I I mean, this is just on my mind. It was on my timeline earlier. The worst trade of all time, I think. I just found this out. Chris Archer from Rays to Pirates. Okay. For Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows, and Shane Baz, who is their number one pitching prospect. He just made his, de- his debut yesterday and struck out Vlad Guerrero on, like, three pitches twice. I mean, this guy, they that was the worst trade of all time. The Pirates continue to pirate their t- chances away. Yeah, but wasn't when was that trade made? Because Chris like Archer, I feel like, was good or somewhat good for I'll, a while. I'll look it up right now. I feel, like, it, I feel like he was good at one point in time. It, he was, but it was, I mean, I guess it was four years. So I think it was 2017. Okay. Um. Yeah, just look at the Shane Baz a start for the Rays, paying for a minor a very day, very bad Pirates trade. Chris Archer trade four years later, you know it's just bad, bad all around. While we're on the bad, while we're on the subject of bad beats and trades, Tatis for James Shields. Oh yeah, that's one. That, that might be worse. That might be worse than uh. We're forgetting about that one there. But anything else you want to say about the Padres before we wrap things up with card- our last few segments? Um. I don't think so. The Cardinals, they're going to make play. Cardinals, hopefully it's Cardinals' daughters in the wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, so moving on to what I think was the weirdest thing of the week. You want to, you want to intro it yeah. or no? Yeah. So this is on Monday night. in the No. I don't know when it was, but it was recently. Monday night or last night. Kevin Kiermaier surrounding the bases on a base hit. Uh, down the right field line, and whoever was in right field picked it up, threw it home. Great throw, by slide, the way. Slide play at the plate. Um, but the important thing to note of this play, as the catcher, which was Kirk, as Kirk came down to tag him, to tag Kiermaier slide into the plate, the sign card had fallen out of his wrist guard. Um, he was wearing one of those wrist guards like the quarterbacks use, um, and now every team uses because of the Astros. But it's for uh, for signs, for pitcher signs. Anyways, Kirk doesn't realize it. Kiermaier sees it, picks up, like, what's this? Oh, 
looks back, see if anybody notices, and continues to go onto the dugout. I I, th- I think he maybe thought it was his potentially. I'm not maybe. sure. Maybe, but he because they all have those cards now. But he picks it up, goes in the dugout, and I think he looks at it there, and he sees, oh my gosh, this is what I get. I just picked up a gold mine. Right? We have their signs. We have their scouting reports for all of our hitters. You know, you know. I guess the shift. Knowing where they're going to play doesn't really matter because you can see right. the shift. But um, definitely yeah, the signs. He picks it up, but the weird thing was, is he denied ever looking at the card. But then when the Rays came over, or the, the the Blue Jays came over to ask for the card back, they sent a bat boy over there. They just said no. Hmm. They said no. We're going to keep it. What? I. If you didn't look at it, then what's the problem with giving it back? Right. There's. There's something fishy about it. Something didn't, something something doesn't add up when looking yeah. at it like that. And then obviously the Blue Jays thought so the same way because they ended up plunking Kiermaier in their game earlier today, which started a benches-clearing brawl. It wasn't it a brawl. It was just benches-clearing people frustrated. Scuffle. The uh, Kevin, Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, goes and talks to the umpires like he should be gone and you know is frustrated about that. Umpiring crew gets together. They just, they end up uh, they end up remo- uh, ejecting him, removing him from the game. At which point, then the Blue Jays manager and pitching coach come out furious, and one of them got ejected for sure. The manager. I, I would be pissed if I was a Blue Jays. This guy steals your signs, and then yeah. you get the most punished for it. Right. Because no one gets injected on the race side. Right. And then your pitcher and your, your one of your coaches gets ejected. Right. <laughs> what? It might have been both of them. I, I couldn't it, – it, when I was reading it, it looked like they, they had mentioned that both of them did. But then in the video that I was watching, I only saw one of them get tossed. So I, I couldn't tell. But point in case. Um, overall, just a, in, a strange – a weird baseball Strange time play. in the post-Astros sign-stealing scandal world. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, with the Astros, sign-stealing is, um, is a big sensitive spot across the league right now. We, In our pilot episode, we were talking about the intentional balk from the Dodgers-Padres 18-inning game because they didn't, the Dodgers didn't want that runner on second, I forget. Up two. They were up two runs. They were up two runs, and so they figured, let's sacrifice that run, because that run doesn't matter. We'll balk him over to third. Um, so they don't, they don't see the signs. And then Tatis had a two-run homer anyway, so it yeah. doesn't really matter. But. So, but, you know, just going to show you that size ceiling is a sensitive topic. So, um, we have about... Five-ish minutes left on the clock, and we're going to start a segment this week that I really like doing. When I had a baseball podcast before, uh, I did I did a segment like this, and I really like it. So it's a pitchers, a hitters, and pitchers of the week. We each will make a pick um, for pitchers and hitters of the week, one of each from each league. So a total of four players, and then we have a collective team of the week pick. For my hitters of the week, I'm going to go with Salvador Perez in the AL, who is who has now broken the record for most home runs ever uh, by a catcher. He's at, I think, 46 now, right? 46, 47, yeah. Some one, 46, 47. So he's just been on fire and really 
doing great things that we don't see a lot of uh, from catchers nowadays. And in the NL, I'm going to go with Joey Votto. Joey Votto has, three ho- uh, has hit three home runs in the last week. And uh, just to be clear, we are talking about the time frame from last Thursday through today. So Joey Votto has three home runs and four RBIs. He has scored six runs with a 429 average, 652 uh, on base, 1143 slugging, totaling for a 1795 OPS. So, 1795? That's just unheard of. What? In one week, granted. Granted, that's in one but week. But still. But still. Whoa. That's a lot. And All a right. weighted runs create. And a weighted runs created plus of 318, but I'm not too well-versed in that sabermetric just yet, so I'm not going to try to interpret that. All right, I'll jump into mine then. Um, my AL player of the week was one rookie, Jared Kalenic. Kind of started off rough for Kalenic this year, but he's bounced back recently. He's batting 381 and has hit three home runs in his last six games, which is definitely impressive from the rookie. He was touted as the... the Kind of like the Seattle saving prospect, one of those guys. And he's he looked kind of all right, but he looks like he's heating up now. Mm-hmm. And my NL Player of the Week was also MLB's NL Player of the Week. It was Tyler O'Neill. He's leading the Cardinals to 11 straight wins. He hit two home runs and has have it 10.50 OPS in his last in the last week. Obviously, I have to shout out the guy who on the team who's been the best hitter on the best team recently. So just got to give him a shout out. Now, Pitchers of the Week, you want to do that one first, or do you want me to go? You can go first. All right, so my Pitchers of the Week started with um, the AL, Kyle Quantrill of the Indians. He has one earned run in his last two starts, and one of those starts was against the Yankees, so I pitched really well. And this is going to be one of those guys that come out of the Indian system, such as, I mean, just think about it, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer. Um, all these guys have been really, really good, and the Indians have kind of figured out pitching, I guess. Um, and on the other side, I have Max Scherzer because, obviously, this guy has been dominant in the Dodgers uniform, makes me cry every time he starts, and not looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs. What about you, Anthony? Yeah, for me, my pitcher of the week, pitchers, I should say, in the NL, I'm going to go with Luis Castillo, who I'm pulling up his stats right now. Uh, he had one start. Uh, he did get the win in that start for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, but he threw 10 strikeouts in that start, only giving up, uh, only giving, not giving up any, uh, not giving up any earned runs in that game. So, um, very strong performance by him. And in the AL, I'm actually going to go with Jordan Montgomery, who uh, got, actually got two starts in the week, but he got 18 strikeouts over those two starts combined. Uh, he did have a 159 ERA from that those two starts, but uh, give, in giving up two earned runs. But um, overall, very good uh, and very strong pitching performance that the Yankees needed. He only got the win in one of those, but um, nevertheless, because you know, especially win is a for, stupid stat, especially for a team that has, especially for a team that has um, struggled in pitching this year. They're a team that needed that. So, and our, our team of the week we talked about earlier is obviously the St. Louis Cardinals, eleven and zero in their last eleven games, dominating everyone and clinching their playoff spot. Hopefully soon. Been really impressive to watch them play. Uh, saw them take th- three of three from the Padres, which was just huge series for them and a really bad series for the Padres. Kind of 
kind of kind of yeah. like a passing of the baton i would say to the to the next wild card team yeah um but yeah i mean that was our team of the week so and with that that will pretty much wrap it up for today we are just about out of time here you've been listening to the whole nine on blaze radio at blazeradioonline.com thank you so much all for tuning in uh, another fun episode uh, really looking forward to next week when we really will have a much clearer playoff picture. We will not have playoff predictions yet. That will come the week afterwards, which will explain more about how we're we going to do that. four games left by our next episode. Next week, but um, we will be t- uh, t- more playoff coverage and playoff race to come next week. For Anthony Remedios and Sammy Newt, signing off on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. 